think it's so important to get out there and have people actually feel your product and you and your brand more so online because you, you know online it's so competitive <laughs> you've got two seconds if not one second maybe a millisecond to connect with somebody and then they're on to the next thing what is happening everyone thanks for tuning in to episode 36 of the food marketing nerds podcast on the show today we have Lacey mackey who is the co-founder and coo of caveman coffee and if you're not already familiar with the story behind caveman then you are in for a treat Lacey is a professional stunt trainer and CrossFit athlete with a business background in guerrilla marketing. And her co-founders, Keith Jardine and Tate Fletcher, are both professional MMA fighters who combined have either acted in or did stunts for Breaking Bad, Maze Runner, Jurassic World, and a lot more stuff that you've probably either seen or heard of. We're talking with Lacey today about how she and her co-founders stumbled upon their successful business idea kind of by accident, and then leveraged their skills to grow their business through social media, podcasting, and just in general being themselves. On this episode, you're going to learn what are the benefits and challenges that come with starting an e-commerce first brand, how Caveman leveraged social media and their community to really grow their brand, how to stay sharp and focused when you have a massive to-do list as a marketer, and plenty more. Caveman Coffee is doing a lot of things right, tapping marketing channels most companies haven't even thought about yet, and it's paying big dividends in a huge way. So you're going to learn a lot from Lacey in this episode, not just about how to approach business, but managing lifestyle as a marketer and a busy entrepreneur. So let's do this thing. Welcome to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast, where we talk marketing, branding, and social media with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. Lacey, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thank you. So I'm so excited to be here. So excited to speak with you. So can you tell our listeners just a little bit more about yourself and about Caveman Coffee? Yeah. So I'm Lacey Mackey. I'm one of the founders of Caveman Coffee currently also the operating manager and handle most of the marketing and, and direction of things that go in that nature. I come from a background of marketing. So I started out after college doing things with Viacom Network and MTV, lots of grassroots, lots of guerrilla stuff, trying to get fan club people to come to shows that were shot in the middle of the day in New York. So getting kids to ditch school and um, <laughs> find people that were really into whatever guest was coming on um, TRL or I did a Comedy Central show called Stand Up Nation with Greg Giraldo. So I spent a lot of time in comedy clubs, getting people to come be part of audiences. So I think that kind of trained me for, you know, looking at community and what different people like and target markets and things like that. I later went on to work in the guerrilla marketing world at a, a place called Go Gorilla in New York. And we did all kinds of crazy stunts when guerrilla marketing was cool and you didn't have to get permits for anything. And Sometimes you got arrested um, <laughs> and you would do things to get publicity. And, uh, you know, it was like pre, mostly pre-social media. So you were looking to get people to write about you or, you know, the news to cover you or things like that. So we did all kinds of crazy stunts, um, did that for a couple of years. And I've kind of stayed in that world ever since I'm actually part of another company called Black Ops that does different types of guerrilla events, but like actual experiential marketing with permits and things like that <laughs> these days, because now it's more about the social media factor and, and getting brands to interact with communities. And so I think that has really boded well for Caveman. And we started Caveman in 2013 as kind of a little fun side project. Myself and Tate Fletcher and Keith Jardine, who are the three partners in the company. Tate and I had a fun idea to do a pop-up food truck, coffee truck in the summer of 2013, leading up to the CrossFit Games. So we're both in the health and fitness kind of world, and we're really into paleo, and, and we're doing something called the Whole Life Challenge, which basically eliminates all things that could be inflammatory in your body, which really limits <laughs> what you can eat. And right. a huge part of that was like taking cream out of our coffee. So we started doing the butter coffee, and that started out as us like literally going to Starbucks with like a piece of a stick of butter in a cup and be like, could you add some coffee to this? They'd be like, do you want us to wash this out? We're like, no, just, just put the coffee on top. And, um, and that was kind of weird. You know, you had like an oil slick on the top of your coffee and it wasn't like that enjoyable to drink, but then we learned about blending it. And um, we got really into coconut oil and we really got into MCT and all these things. So we said, what if it was like, instead of going through this hassle of making it, this was just like already available. And it was a, a cart that was going around to different gyms and like 
people could buy it. And um, I was off of work that month. So I decided to go ahead and do it and rented a truck and we wrapped it and we did like three events and it was a struggle because I don't know a lot about mechanics and the truck was like a really bad truck. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, you, if you can find a, a food truck that's available to rent for one month, it's probably not going to be the best quality. Um, so <laughs> no, that wasn't no, awesome, no. but it did give us like a really fun kind of dip into the coffee world. And uh, we were using different brands of coffee at the time. Like we actually had like the coffee machine break down. And I remember like sneaking out of the back of the truck and like running to Pete's and buying like gallons of hot coffee. Um, (laughs) And like just it was, you know, it was crazy. But it established us kind of as these coffee people. And around that same time, Keith, our third partner in Caveman, was going to the Southwest Coffee and Chocolate Festival. And he met these two brothers that own their own farm in Columbia and were roasting their beans basically out of their garage and um, had just moved into like a space. They were roasting locally for, you know, some hotels and restaurants. And they were like, oh, Keith Jardine, let's do some roast for you. So Keith told us about it. We all met. We did like a thousand cupping sessions, learned a lot more about coffee than we ever thought we would. And we said, let's just put this online and, and share it with people. And we, I made like a first generation of our website was a big cartel. And so it's like a little like design, do it yourself storefront. And I, you know, designed it overnight and we put it out there and we sold like 200 bags. And they're like, oh, maybe we actually wow. have a business here. Yeah, we kind of grew into a business that we didn't know that we were going to grow into. Um, and then obviously we're very nutrition focus. So being a part of the natural foods world um, for ourselves and like what we were eating and what nutrition was working best for us from like a performance standpoint in athletics and, you know, Tate and Keith are professional athletes. So they have a lot of like firsthand experience with that and what they could do to put in their body as fuel. So we were just geeking on that to the ultimate extent and, um, and kind of fueling that into our coffee company. And so those first 200 sales, how did those come about when you launched the website? Where was the the awareness and, and visibility from? So um, we have a very you know lucky, cool factor in that we started from a place of having a lot of people know who Tate and Keith were um, and are. And so their voice in the world, like social media is obviously like a huge part of the way that our company grew. And Tate just kind of tweeting about it a couple of times, people were like, when we did the truck, people started tweeting him about different single origin coffees that they were finding that they really liked. And so he was telling them about ones that he liked. And so when we decided to do this and put this coffee out there, he you know, mentioned it on social and said, hey, we like did this roast with these two Colombian brothers. They have a really cool story. It's their grandfather's farm you guys should try it. We've worked on these roasts and, and we think they're really good by themselves. And also for like, from a nutrition standpoint, we got them tested and proved that they were very clean coffee, that they had high levels of caffeine, things like that. So people reacted to that pretty instantly. And then that kind of grew because of Tate and Keith being really involved in the MMA community and Jackson's MMA, which is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, trains some of like the biggest fighters in the world. We're talking about, you know, right. John Jones and Holly Holm and it's, it's their family. And so, you know, they started bringing the coffee around them and talking about it. And that really launched us some more. We got a lot of like just organic community involvement and people that were talking about us on social and then Tate has been really good friends with Joe Rogan for many years and sent him a bunch of coffee. He drinks a lot of coffee. And the minute Joe mentioned it, it was like <laughs> sold out. Oh, I can um, imagine. So it's just been like this really amazing community. And we've been very lucky to, you know, just kind of be in the circles that we're in and and also come up with some like really, really cool products. Like we wouldn't, it wasn't like we started out like, let's see how we can market this thing that like may or may not be cool. It was like, wow, this is really amazing. I wish we could share it with people. Let's give it to our friends. And and it just like organically grew from there because people put it out there and the power of social media is so strong. You get enough people talking about something and everyone reacts. And, you know, we probably weren't that prepared for that. Our, our website definitely, it could only handle like a hundred orders. And so when we got to the day that we had a hundred orders, which was like around the holidays, we couldn't see as a new order would come in, like 
the bottom part would just drop off, like the, the earlier orders would go away really? and there was no way to like recover them. So we were getting all these emails and I was like literally like watching it, like order to order, print out the order, print out the order because it's going to go away and like <laughs> trying to PDF everything. So, you know, obviously we weren't really planning on, on getting to where we've gotten now, but, uh, and we've learned more about how to take that community based social conversation and direct it a little bit better. At what point were you, did it click that, okay, we need a new website. And once you built it, how did that, how did that change the company? So that happened pretty quickly um, because we, when we launched, it was like, it was November. So it was already getting into the holiday time. And so we stuck it out with our little website through that holiday time. And, and like I said, it, it, that was like me and one of our friends, Maynard, literally like printing out orders as they came in so that they wouldn't disappear. (laughs) Um, It's a good problem. Stressful. It was, it was stressful, but it was fun. And we were just, you know, having a good time, you know, and then on the other side of it, it was like, Keith was like filling bags of beans because the company, <laughs> the guys we were working with definitely weren't ready for that either. And we were like printing out labels on my home computer and, um, just, it was kind of chaotic, but we then decided to move to a Squarespace website and outgrew that eventually. But that really, you know, was plug and play for me. We weren't like, ready to invest in a really expensive website. So it was kind of like learn as you go, figure out how to do it. And, um, and we did, and we learned things about like, you know, bulk shipping and, and other apps that can kind of plug into these websites that help do the labels. You don't have to handwrite labels, um, all that stuff. So <laughs> it, it was very like not unintentional company and very much learn as you go. You know, I think we all knew how to like market something and like, make a coffee, but I don't think any of us realize what the back end would be like on a, you know, online e-commerce site. So you, Keith and Tate all have high performance backgrounds. I know I met, I met Keith at Expo West and I actually didn't even recognize him and he shook my hand and I immediately recognized this is a handshake (laughs) of someone who could definitely be kind of out of context there. It's amazing to like, you know, walk with him and Tate through like a casino in Vegas where they can't walk like two inches without people being like, Oh my God, Oh my God, let me take a picture. But when you get into a trade show like that, people just don't, it doesn't, you know, make sense why that person would be there. Um, so it takes a little bit of time sometimes for people to realize, (laughs) wait a minute, I'm talking to Keith Jardine in a, in a coffee booth. (laughs) Yeah. So how is, how is that background in in high performance athletics and high intensity training shaped the company both a product and how you guys run the company i mean it kind of really um establishes our mission i think and uh when you go back to like what are our goals what's our like core belief and this just kind of is a through line that goes with all of us is you know how can we get the most out of our bodies how can we perform the best how can we keep our minds the clearest how can we how can we do more? And that all comes down to nutrition. And so if you're not fueling yourself correctly, you're not going to be able to get through your workout. You're not going to be as intense in your workout. You're not going to be able to then after your workout, go back to your computer and get back to work, all those things. And, you know, I think I'm speaking for Tate and Keith, which, you know, I don't really try to do that often, but, um, they like both, I I know for, for sure, Keith, like when he started, doing the coconut oil and MCT in his coffee, he called Tate because Tate had, had been doing it for a while and and said like, wow, man, I feel amazing. I feel the best I felt in years. And he's been training and, and probably overtraining for a long time, which leads to all kinds of things, lots of adrenal fatigue and, you know, not as much recovery as you used to get and things like that. And so when you learn to feel your body a little bit better and you're able to recover better, then everything clicks. And so that's kind of been the foundation of why we're doing what we're doing. Coffee has almost turned into just like the starting point in the conversation. And it's a great starting point because so many people, everybody drinks coffee. Um, Second largest commodity in the world is coffee. And so that gives us a really good platform to then talk about, you know, what we found in nutrition. I also have a background in, in training and have worked with some of the top action stars in the world on their nutrition and on their fitness. And it becomes, you know, when we're going to create a new product or we're going to like pair something with something, like how does this work functionally? Yes. Does it taste great? We definitely want to have that. Is it the highest quality? That's great. But is it going to be really good for you going into your body? And, and that's, you know, kind of how we approach everything that we make from our MCT oil, which we 
you know, learned a lot about palm and, and I feel like I can actually feel it when I drink something with palm oil in it and the palm MCT, but can we source something that's 100% coconut? Can we find products out there that we would want and that we would think help in our performance, in our nutrition? Um, and can we give those to our customers and the people in the world? And so that's kind of how we approach everything. These beans, the reason why we were so excited about these two Colombians was that their farm had been in their family for years. Their beans were single origin. They're hand-picked, wet-processed. Like the whole thing is in the top, top percentile in the coffee world and recognized by like the Specialty Coffee Association, things like that. So it's not just about, you know, performance enhancing. It's about this is like food from the earth and we know where it comes from. We know how it's done. So we were so excited to, to put that out there and kind of like share that with the world. And so that has given us the chance now to look at other products and other things that we just love and we think are really unique and how can we share them with our company and, and to our customers. And so basically everything that we put out there, we test ourselves. Keith is probably like our greatest um, focus group because he <laughs> tests things. Like, I mean, he's the guy that's like weighing his coffee and weighing his food and stuff like that. I'm like eyeballing everything. And he's making sure that like, the temperature is right when he's brewing and things like that. And, and so when we start to develop a new product, he's working on it meticulously and, and testing it out a lot. And then the three of us like share it with our community and see what people get back from it. And we hear pretty, you know, we don't put anything out until we know like this is going to be helpful to somebody somewhere and, and we enjoy it. So one of the things that I really love about Caveman Coffee is that you work with advisors that are some of the leading dietitians in high performance athletics. You work yeah. with Rob Wolf, who's a scientist. Are they actually helping you formulate the product or how, yeah, how does, we, can you speak we, to that a bit? It's been really cool. The people that have like mentored us and like been a part of our, our world. Rob is a huge part. And I'll say Rob like has taken the time out of his busy day and schedule to answer crazy questions that we're throwing at him. Like, you know, if we added this, like, what would this do? And is this still paleo? And like, is this, you know, bad or good? And, and would you recommend this for an athlete? Things like that. And, and he's been so gracious to literally return every email and phone call and, and work on things and test things with us a little bit. And he's been super inspirational to, you know, why we choose the diets that we choose and the, the lifestyle that we choose. He, uh, Matt Tate, he like came, he lived in Santa Fe for a while where Tate has a gym. And so he came into the gym and that's how that connection first happened. And when we started sending him beans and product, he was like, yeah, this is amazing. And when we first developed, uh, you know, for a while we had like a line of chocolate bars, which chocolate doesn't ship that well in the summer. So we stopped doing <laughs> that. Um, not the best for an e-commerce company. So if anyone's out there trying to make chocolate online, be careful with that. Um, but we, uh, we, you know, developed like some paleo chocolate bars that are delicious and, and things like that. And he's been 100% helpful to us every step of the way. And we've also worked a lot with uh, Mike Dolce. And that is somebody who advised Keith for many years on his diet during his like fighting career and weight cuts and things like that. And he works with some of if not all of the athletes in the UFC world that are doing, you know, this crazy thing where they're being amazing, amazing athletes that have to perform and then also have to do a crazy thing to their body by cutting weight. And um, how do you do that in a way that you can still function at your top performance? Like you want to peak at the same time, but you're also going to take out the nutrition. So, you know, we've worked with him a lot on a lot of things and, and he's been very helpful to us. And then Rob and Mark have both kind of led me in my world because I'm definitely not a nutritionist, but I have been a trainer in some really high level action movies and, and things like that. And, and how do I help people manage their weights while they're also trying to perform and be actors and travel and do stunts and all these things? Um, how do I deal with adrenal fatigue issues, people that don't really sleep that much? So they have just been like these amazing not only educators to us, but advisors on every track of the way. I'd also like to say Mark Sissons, who basically, I think, like changed mine and Tate's life in one single event. He came and spoke at our gym many, many years ago. This is right before the, we came up with a coffee truck idea. And um, some of his things, like little tidbits that he gave in that speech, like really resonated with us and really changed the way that I not only train, but eat to perform. And so 
I think these guys like are underthanked in the world, um, but they do some really amazing things and they've helped inspire a lot of companies, not just ours, um, which is cool because I think that's a movement in the natural food world that it's not just about, you know, natural food for us. It's also about like performance food. So how do you take it to the next level? And that, you know, you keep like narrowing the category of, of what you can eat and what's good for you and all those things. And that gives a huge part of the market for people to create new products that can like go in these lines and help people. And it's happening. I mean, it's all over the place. You walk into a grocery store and you see things that are like paleo approved and primal this and and all that stuff. And it's really exciting to see this shift in the way that people are eating and the, what people are looking for to this performance based diet. Right. And I think that is such a, a great, great movement in general, not just for these innovative and disruptive companies who are like caveman coffee, who are coming out with these performance products that, that help you live a better life, but it's just better for society in general. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And we all kind of like stick together. Like we are on the, on the phone and in email with like a bunch of different companies that are kind of at our same spot, like primal kitchen foods and and people like that on it. And everybody helps each other, which is really cool because we all have the same goal of, you know, taking on, the issues with health and nutrition that are plaguing us as humans, especially in this country. And the more that we all grow together, the more people we can reach, the more we can develop a healthy society, which, you know, is a huge, huge issue right now. So one of the things with a product like Caveman Coffee is the education piece. Mm -hmm. And I I heard about you guys first on on Joe Rogan's podcast, which I'm sure you guys get all the time. All the time. He has a, a huge listener base. But yeah. podcasting is one of those mediums that, I mean, you would never hear of Starbucks advertising on a podcast, or at least not any podcast that I not listen yet. to. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, why did you go that route? Or how did you think to go that route? And what is what does that all look like? Here's what I love about like both of the things, both like the fact that like the technology these days allows small companies like ourselves to make up a product and sell it with, you know, some guidelines and some rules, but like, you don't have to adhere to the rules of like, okay, well, we need to make everyone happy and we can't, we definitely can't offend everyone. And we definitely need to like play by these like really safe rules that all the big companies have to play by. And we, we don't want to alienate anyone and stuff. And and definitely you want to like speak about what your product is and you want to speak about what the lifestyle is about. And it's the same thing in podcasts. Like, We don't have, you know, people are electing to listen to the podcast. So it's like, if you choose to listen to it, then you're going to listen to whatever that person has to say. And people can say whatever they want. And that's a freedom and that's a beauty. So there's this subculture of consumers that are listening to podcasts or are on social media and are getting different types of information from different places that aren't these standard places and are seeking realness because we have so many people putting out I don't know, just corporate sponsored things that you don't know what's real anymore. And you don't know like who's paying for that. And is that really healthy? And this doctor said this and things like that. And it's like, we've, we've gotten to the point where pharmaceutical companies are running everything and we're trying to keep people sick. And so now there's this movement of people that are seeking their information elsewhere. And that elsewhere is podcasts and podcasts have blown up in the past few years in a way that I don't think anybody really predicted. And for us, obviously, it's a no-brainer to send a ton of stuff to people that are influencers. And where are people influencing these people? Well, that's on podcasts. So obviously, Joe has a huge reach. Jason Ellis has been a really big supporter of us. Even like Dr. Drew and Loveline and, and things like that, like kind of old school shows that are turning into new school um, podcasts and new school ways of thinking. And it's just been, you know, it's a place that is not a huge barrier to entry. I mean, you can like reach out to people that you see doing really cool stuff and send them product. And a lot of time they'll just talk about you that way. And then, you know, sponsorship dollars, you can look at that. And if you compare paying for a sponsorship on a podcast, that's going to not only reach you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the one show, but then it's going to be like redownloaded over time. Like this is a timeless thing and it's going to go on forever. So if you spread the right message, then you're essentially going to be, you know, infinitely affected by this person talking about you. And if you compare that to the pricing of like radio advertising or stuff like that, where people aren't even listening anymore, (laughs) then 
it's a no brainer. And so, you know, we have been very excited about that for a long time and in kind of participating in that world. And, you know, to date, we have built our entire company on social media. And I kind of include podcasting in that a little bit. And then, you know, events and and getting our brand out there and interacting with our community and like actually being a part of the community. That has been not only like the reason that we've been successful and become the company that we've become, but it's a super important market that I'm shocked that um, corporate interests haven't like tried to get into yet or haven't figured that out. Yeah, I've I've been wondering the same thing. I'm just checking my email, waiting for waiting for the big Fortune 500s to sponsor our, our podcast, but nothing for some reason. Come on, guys, where's <laughs> show us the money? Yeah, <laughs> I mean the other part of that too is like we've been approached. You know, Tate has a podcast called Pirate Life Podcast, and he has been approached by some brands, and he's like, no, I won't represent that because I don't believe in it. And so I think that's the other thing that's really cool about podcasts is that. It's not like there's a salesperson sitting in an office somewhere, like just trying to get whatever money they can get for the spot. You know, there's limited amount of space. Obviously, the person doing the podcast doesn't want to like bombard people with commercials because then people will stop listening because they think that's why people have stopped watching television, stopped listening to the radio. You know, you don't want to hear that stuff anymore. It's just noise. So it's like the community controls it. And then therefore you're getting stuff that you really believe in based on like what you're listening to. So it's really, it's cool. It's a, it's, I think it's like a taking back of the market by creating a new market, killing the old market. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I know a lot of a lot of companies look at social media and say, well, I don't know if it's working. We can't really directly measure our ROI. So why should we increase spend there? And then you've got Caveman Coffee who has combined that with guerrilla marketing and smart outreach to influencers and really built the company on social media. So I guess how is your approach? I mean, first of all, like when people say stuff like that, I'm like, guess what? It's free (laughs) to start. So it's like. Oh, I can't measure the impact. Um, yeah, you can measure the impact. I can measure the impact by posting, you know, a sale or a discount code or something like that and see how many people respond. And I know which social media platforms are more responsive to us, probably because we're more involved in them. Instagram's like huge part of us. Some people are really successful on Facebook. Some people do well on Twitter. It's just kind of whatever you put your energy into. And the information's out there. The information is also free. So it's kind of like, it's not... Like you're going to sit in front of some like marketing agency that's going to do a buy for you. And then they're going to give you all these metrics, like this many people watch this commercial at this time. And, you know, it's like you, you don't know really how to measure that either other than looking at your sales tracker. But when you look at social, you can, you can see like, okay, it's predominantly like our market's predominantly male age 24 to 45 and they're going to click on this kind of ad versus the, or this kind of photo versus this kind of photo. And they're interested in these types of things. And they're in these cities. Like, you can see all of that. So I feel like it's almost more dialed than, than traditional marketing. But also, you know, you can see, like, when you interact with consumers and, and you do events, being an online company, I think it's really important to do events because you get in front of people and you also show them what it is that the image of your company that you want to portray. So it's like we try to like recently we've been doing these little coffee shop builds and these experiences and you're giving people an experience with your brand that they may not get online. Like they're definitely going to get something online based on what your website looks like, based on what type of social posts you're putting out there. But to really experience you and your brand and connect with people is a very, very important thing that I think we lose a little bit with all of that. So if you can combine those two things, social and event marketing, then you're going to create an idea in people's heads of what your product is and what your brand is. We could be any coffee company out there, but we're caveman and we have like the the flashy bags and the the logo and things like that. And so we want to keep reminding people what that is by being in front of them all the time. And so I think that people are really missing out (laughs) if they aren't getting on social and they're not, you know, involving their community that way. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with a guy that's like a professional social media guy, which I'm always interested in. So this guy runs a company and he has a lot of celebrities that he represents online. And he was trying to tell me that 
my social media was horrible because I did a lot of reposting. And I get that like not everybody wants to see like a repost on Instagram with a little like logo at the bottom. But what people do want to see is like somebody that's like them that is doing something that they might want to do. And so we try to like repost people that are doing cool, inspirational stuff all the time that are part of our community. And people respond to that really well because they see that and they're like, oh, I could do that too. That looks like me or that's, you know something I wish I would do. And, and that's kind of what it's about for us. And I think if you look at it from that scope, then you're going to have genuine interaction and you're going to have people really connect with your brand on an emotional level. And that's one of the insights that you brought up that I think is, think is really interesting and insightful is the fact that you guys are tying the e-commerce channel to the in-person branding and marketing events where you're actually showing, showing face. Cause one of the things I think with digital marketing in general, you've got that growth hacker mindset of we'll just split test our way to to making a <laughs> bunch of money and not really building right. a brand. So it, it's good to hear that the the brand building tactics are, are what's driving a lot of the awareness and, and loyalty to, to Caveman. Well, and that's where we meet everybody, too. Like we go every year we go to this event called Paleo FX in Austin, and it's actually like not as it, like for for the price point and stuff that people spend um, on the booths and stuff, there's not that many people that actually attend yet. I think it's growing every year, but the speakers and the people that are there and are, are like, I mean, I meet so many people. I get so many new ideas. We get so many new connections. Those moments are so worth it. And it ha- if we weren't going to that event, we wouldn't know any of those people. We wouldn't have those connections. And we wouldn't be growing at the rate that we're growing and we wouldn't have the like solid base to go off of. And so I think it's so important and and a lot of people miss that to get out there and and have people actually feel your product and you and your brand more so online because, you you know, online it's so competitive. (laughs) You've got, you know, you've got two seconds, if not one second, maybe a millisecond to connect with somebody and then they're on to the next thing. And when you're talking to someone in person, those conversations are so memorable and they resonate so well. And, and, and you learn a lot about your customer from that as well, what they like, what they don't like, what they're looking for, what their story is. Like people will just come up and like tell you their whole life story if you give them a second. And so all that stuff I think is is important to combine with everything that you're doing online, especially if you're an e-commerce company. And if you want to get into retail, you know, we're working on getting into retail. Like the number one thing to do in retail is sample, sample, sample. Like you need to get people in front trying your product. And so it's that same idea of um, having that touch and interaction with your consumers and with the, the people that are part of your community. So has building up your social channels and your presence and your e-commerce platform and your online sales, has that helped with working with retailers and trying to get into stores? It's interesting. I mean, it's it's a struggle for, to get into stores for sure. Like it's a whole nother ballpark. It's definitely a good old boys club. And so people are going to deal with the big brands that they've known for years and and understandably because they have their system set up and it's a, it's a whole distribution channel that you have to create. But what's interesting to me, and especially at Expo West, in talking to people the last two years that we've gone, is that they're looking for something different. As the online culture grows, and we saw this this year, I think, in the holiday season. I should have brought my, my stats with me. This is me trying to remember the actual number. But I think <laughs> online sales were up like 37%, something like that. And uh and um, retailers saw like a 20% drop. So people are changing their buying habits. And this is terrifying for these good old boys, right? Um, the systems that they have set up are great. But if people aren't coming into your store and buying your product, then you have nothing. So I think, well, obviously, grocery stores are fine. And people are going to go to grocery stores every day. There is a shift happening. And so I think some people are, are trying to stay ahead of that and see what can I do to protect my business. And the plan for that is to how do we reach millennials? How do we reach people that are buying online? How do we reach the new consumer? Because not only are people buying online, but they're more educated now. They're not watching these commercials, they're listening to podcasts, like, this is the new consumer world. And so it's going back to basics a little bit, how can we get these cool young brands into our stores? How can we help them develop their distribution channels? 
and how can we make our retail location the cool place to go? And so I think a lot of companies are looking at that. I, I'm always surprised at which retailers um, you meet and the number of retailers you meet at Expo West and some of these other trade shows because you would think like a big company like Walmart, ooh, the evil Walmart, they're not going to want to buy a premium MCT oil. Like, of course not. They're they're sourcing the cheapest stuff. And it's like, you know, we haven't sold anything to Walmart, but we had a really long conversation with the buyer from Walmart. And, and that's like shocking to me that a company that size is trying to figure out how they're going to survive in this new future. And like, you know, the natural products world is exploding. If you go into any major retailer that, you know, natural products used to just be like your mom and pop store and like Whole Foods. And now you can go into in Albertsons or Gelson's or whatever, and you can see the like natural product section, the gluten-free section, the paleo section, like all these things are changing the way that grocery stores are buying and the way that they're setting up their stuff. And I think that's really cool. So to really answer your question, like when we go into these meetings with these retailers, the thing that really gets them is our social following. And when I start talking about that, they're like, yeah, 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 product, cool. Yeah, you can do that. Can you scale up? Awesome. Obviously, those are like relevant questions. But then it's like, wait, so it's really cool that you have the social following and it's really cool that you interact with this target market. That's who we're after. And so, so their retailers are trying to look at that and figure out, you know, how can I get in there? And obviously Amazon is shaking up the whole world, you know, not only giving everyone an example of how to do it online, but what is possible and thrive market is, is kind of changing the game. I think they're the first company. Um, I know Gunnar, really has lobbied to collect or be able to take food stamps for organic products sold online um, Mm -hmm. to help people in every demographic that should be able to eat natural foods. And, uh, and that was really pushed back on by the retail world and by certain people that have interest in, in getting that consumer market, but he pushed and pushed and pushed and finally got it passed to start taking, you know, food stamps in an organic market sold online. So I think retailers are looking at all these shifts and all these things and how can they um, survive that or or go to the next level with that and and that means bringing on like some small brands and helping them grow and so we're excited to be a part of that as well and and while a lot of our stuff has just been conversations we are in whole foods on the east coast in the northwest region with our hibiscus tea and working to grow that line but it's been you know a long road for us to to get from the e-commerce platform and take some like ready to drink products into grocery stores so you mentioned Amazon, and I don't see a ton of your products on there. And maybe I'm just a bad at searching. We just have Amazon. a few. What? Yeah, we just have a few. Oh, um, why? We start, why is that? We start. Well, we were a little worried at first. Like, oh, are we going to like cannibalize our business? What are we going to do? We when we first started out, and this is like a really good, I think, story for anybody that's starting an e-commerce site or starting out with a small product. When you first start out, you're just like excited to sell to everybody, right? Like anybody that can buy your product, great. So we went through a time where we were focusing on our little website that could take 100 orders. And then we started wholesaling to a couple people. And we wholesaled to a few different people that had um, Amazon stores. And we ended up having like five or six different people selling on Amazon with our stuff. And one of those retailers like saw the opportunity and they were able to get Caveman Coffee Co., as their Amazon store. And so they st- they basically were like selling as if they were us. Um, hmm. But they would like have bad customer service. They wouldn't like ship the product out on time. They would run out of product, like things like that. But they weren't really managing it that well. So we started getting all these like bad reviews on Amazon, even though we weren't like it had nothing to do with our coffee or our products. It was like the customer service issue. So I learned very quickly that, you know, you have to really protect your brand when you're going to when you're going to go into wholesale and give to people and you need to come up with some rules about what you're going to do. And if you're going to get on Amazon, you should either go with a retailer that has a lot of experience and is a big store, or you should create your own profile and manage it really well. And so we created our own profile after much back and forth with Amazon to prove that we were the real caveman coffee co and this other company wasn't. And we did a lot of working with our partners and and phasing out like our products with their stores and things like that. And then Finally, through all of that, started our own Amazon account and started doing our own Amazon fulfillment. And we've just been playing that really for like the last few months, but it's been going very well. So we're going to start feeding that a lot more and putting more products out there. 
you know, and, and, and learning that the person that's shopping on Amazon, they have their credit card information stored, they have their shipping address. I'm an Amazon customer. It's so easy now with the one click reorder buttons that those people, they might come to your website to like research you a little bit, but they're probably not going to buy on your website because they can order prime and they can like bulk it with a bunch of other stuff and whatever. So you're just going to reach a larger market if you go that, that route. And so we've, uh, this year have launched on Amazon. We also launched on Lucky Vitamin recently, which has been going really well. And you're just going to reach, you know, these these customers are finding whatever website it is that they're loyal to. They're probably not shopping on a ton of different ones. Like it's not like you go to five different grocery stores. So just getting getting your products on, on those websites is important for not only branding, but, you know, you're going to reach a customer that you're not going to reach anywhere else. So we've started that outreach a little bit and, and we'll continue to grow that. Um, we, we launched the third iteration of our website this year, which is big commerce um, as we outgrew kind of Squarespace. And that allows us to sell on eBay as well. So we're going to we're going to start listing things um, via our website that way and reaching everybody everywhere. So what's next for K-Man Coffee? So we've been really working on what people have been asking for, which is a couple of things. A ready-to-drink, non-caffeinated herbal something. And we played with this for a long time, and we came out with this hibiscus tea, which is pretty mind-blowing. It's sugar-free, it's caffeine-free, it's everything-free, and somehow it still tastes unbelievable. And it's also shelf-stable, which is something that retailers wanted to have a ready-to-drink product. We are working on that for our, our coffee, but coffee is a living thing and it's hard to stabilize it without adding a bunch of junk. So we are working on that. And we've also come up with, people have asked us, how can I get a keg in my gym or my facility or my restaurant or my home? And it's really hard to ship kegs of nitro cold brew coffee because (laughs) you have to get the keg back and it has to stay cold and there's really heavy. And so we partnered with a company that I met at a, um, the California coffee festival and they make a 100% recyclable keg. And these have been around in the beer industry. I think for a long time, they ship overseas, things like that. But um, only recently, have a couple people figured out how to really do coffee in them well. Coffee is also really fickle and kind of a pain because it can get overbrewed really quickly and become very acidic. It can get really bitter. It can do all kinds of weird things if it like sits around too long and things like that. So it took a really long time to figure it out. And now we have 100% recyclable mail order kegs that uh, both UPS and FedEx have approved the box for shipping. They're 30 days shelf stable. We do, we cold brew it and then we heat it up a little bit to pasteurize it, which is probably something we'll, we'll move toward in the cans eventually. Um, But it's a delicious product and it's so accessible and literally people just get the keg delivered to them. They plug it into their tap system and then they recycle the whole package at the very end and order another one. So that's exciting. We're looking to launch that on Amazon soon as well. So keep an eye out for that. And if you know retailers are out there listening and they're interested, uh, we've figured it out. So let us know. We've got we've got that. We've also got the hibiscus tea that can be kegged and shipped. We're working with a kombucha company that's another kind of small business in our realm that's interested in doing the same thing. So. The sky is the limit with kegs and on tap, and there really is nothing as enjoyable as having a beverage on tap. <laughs> it's, I it's agree. <laughs> so there are a few questions that I ask each of our guests to kind of close out the interview, and I feel like this next one really, really describes Caveman Coffee to a T with you, Keith, and Tate, and what you're doing outside of outside of just the company itself. So, with being insanely busy and having these active lifestyles, how do you manage it all? Do you have any systems or processes that you use to make sure that everything gets done? Yeah, I mean, I think we all do things a little bit differently, but I know that we all incorporate like a meditation practice. And that for me, like in the morning is super important. I know Tate does that every morning, but there's like little key things about like self-care that if you don't pay attention to, I'm probably the most guilty about it, where if you don't pay attention to it, you eventually become frazzled and like run um, over basically. So there's so many things to do. You can only do so many things in a day. And if you can do things really efficiently and plan them out, then you can get more done. And if you take the time for yourself and you take the time to do whatever that is, whether it's, you know, workouts or meditation or, 
you know, whatever your practice is, then you're going to have a more fluid experience and you're going to get most things done. You know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I'm a really big fan of whiteboards. And if you see my house, I have a live workspace that's generally half run over by projects and, <laughs> and half, half where I live. Um, but I really function well in that kind of environment. I have a lot of whiteboards. And so when ideas come to me or projects happen or I get a thousand emails with a bunch of different requests, I put them into like different categories. I put those categories up on the whiteboard so I can really see what it is I need to do. And and I don't have to constantly think about it. If you're constantly thinking about it and worrying about it, then you're like forgetting things. So if it's up there, it's written down, it's out of my head, I can then go back and reference it. I can try to finish one project at a time and then um, do a great job on that and move on to the next one. And more stuff is constantly going to come up. So like learning that that's always going to happen. There's always going to be cash flow issues. There's always going to be, you know, projects that don't get fully done. There's always going to be new ideas and people coming at you with all these different things. And if you can kind of take that in stride and, and enjoy that and kind of, you know, smile at all those things coming in instead of getting really stressed out and scared of those things, then I think you can be more productive and get more things done. And from like a performance perspective, you know, we all, tackle our work the same way that we tackle our fitness, which is pretty much full on all the time and you get in your routine. So whether that's like three days a week, you're going hard with a high intensity workout and some sort of interval training. And then you're also doing yoga twice a week. And then you're also making sure that you're paying attention to your accountant emails and all that stuff. Like it's, it's all the same type of balance where you have to make time for everything and you have to figure out what that is for you and the best way that that works for you. And, you know, I think we all approach it a little bit differently, but with the same mindset of creating that system for ourselves to keep our entire self healthy from nutrition to fitness and our business growing the same way. And I think that taking that period for whether it's in the morning or whatever period it is where you're focusing on yourself to whether it's through meditation, through exercise, just to sharpen the ax before going out and doing what you need to get done is is crucial. It really helps. I I found because I I can like work myself into a a frazzled state. Tate likes to call me a maniac um, (laughs) sometimes because I'll just like go, 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 go. But I find like I get less done when I'm like that. And so if I do take the time for myself, which sometimes I feel guilty about, but then I just get so much more done. And I don't know if you've ever tried floating, but there's a float place that just opened down the street from my house. A lot of people go there and just fall asleep. I go there and I spend an entire hour, like, I just like clear my mind, clear my mind. And then I spend the entire hour, like, all of a sudden I'm able to put all these like lists together in my heads and like to do things. I come out of there like rejuvenated and ready to tackle things with like everything figured out. All the problems are solved. Everything's done. I used to do that in the shower. Now, now it's in a float tank. (laughs) I've never tried it, but I I definitely want to. I've heard really good things. I don't know if there's anything like that in Denver yet. I'm sure there are there. I mean, they're literally everywhere. Um, my, one of my business partners that lives in Kentucky said they just opened one in Louisville. So if there's one in Louisville, I'm sure there's one in Denver. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) So you, you mentioned the website wasn't really built to scale when you first started. And then you guys went with the food truck to kind of get the word out there. Is there anything else that you guys learned over the course of, of doing what you're doing right now that if you could go back and tell the Lacey of just starting caveman coffee, what would be something that you've learned that you'd like to go back and, and give your yourself in 2013 some advice? Yeah, if I could go back and give 2013 Lacey some advice, it would be um, it would be this. And it wouldn't be like, oh, do this better or do this differently or do this bigger. It would be know that whatever you're going to create now is something that you're going to end up recreating again and again and again and again. Um, I remember like getting frustrated after we had like a full product line out, we had the website going, like I had all these checklists in my head of things that needed to get done for the company to be functional. And then we got, you know, we had five products out or something at the time. And then somebody was like, Oh, you're not putting this on your label. You should add this to your label. And I was like frustrated because I don't want to recreate the label. I already created the label that was already checked off in my head. Um, or the website, like now it's not big enough. I need something that can handle more orders. And I'm like, I already finished that. I already checked that off. So I think if I, if I knew or had the understanding that 
everything that I'm creating is a fun process and I'm learning from that process and I'm going to have to do it all over again. And each time it's going to get a little bit better and a little bit different. And to just like welcome that process, not get frustrated with it and not see things as like check off, never revisit again, but as a constant evolution. I think that is something that can be applied to like all of life and all business. And if you approach something from that mindset, then you're just going to have an easier flow through all of that process. I totally agree. This is one of the the last questions to wrap up here. Are there any books that you've read or any publications or podcasts that you listen to that you always recommend to people who are in a a similar scenario as you or looking to start a business? (laughs) I I love to read self-help books and I love to read business books and I love to um, listen to podcasts. So there's so many, but I would say um, from any kind of mindset, there's a book called Mindset and it's basically can be applied to all aspects of life. And I only recently read this and I'm kind of shocked that I only recently read this, but it was given to me by um, the owner of Deuce Gym, Logan Galbrick, who is kind of a visionary in a bunch of different worlds, has a couple businesses, things like that. And reading that book and realizing things about mindset, maybe about my mindset or about people that were around me was super helpful. And, and I can apply that to just about everything. So I would say that that is probably number one. Good to Great is a book that like originally I read and kind of inspired me to like get more into business. The Goal, which is a book that's probably like outdated now as far as like what the storyline is. It's kind of like about a a factory and finding out bottlenecks and creating efficiencies. But I read that in college in my like business 101 class. And it really identified to me that creating efficiencies and things um, and finding those efficiencies are a major part of the process of creating and being a business owner and, and things like that. So I would start with those. I mean, my list could go on and on. Um, I listen to obviously a lot of Joe Rogan. I listen to Tim Ferriss a lot. I find his interviews and the people that he has on there to be pretty inspiring most of the time. Um, I've sometimes listened to Tony Robbins even and get, get fired up. Well, Lacey, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And I love what you guys are doing to Caveman and you're absolutely killing it. So Thank keep you. up the great work. I appreciate work. that. We, uh, love, we love it. It's so much fun. So where can people go to, to learn more about you and to, to find out what's coming up next? You can go to Caveman Coffee Co. or CavemanCoffee.com. We have a lot of stuff going on there, but I think if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Caveman Coffee Co., you will know everything that's going on with Caveman. Uh, we have a newsletter you could sign up for. My Instagram handle is Lacey underscore Mackey. I post a lot of things that I find inspirational and, and things like that, and I'm always reachable via our website. Any email that comes in there, I will see. So if anybody's interested in just chatting or, or anything, I'm always open to that. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Lacey. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast. For interview transcripts or to download your free social media ebook, check out foodmarketingnerds.com.